Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Quickly with you this morning, I've titled my message today, He Will Fulfill. Amen? How many of you know that we, have, we serve a God that is a promise keeper? Amen? The promises of God will never fail you. Amen? If you were going to place a wager on seeing if God was true to his word and you were a person that was wanting to place a bet, which I don't recommend doing, but if you were, the promises of God would be the surest thing that you could place your money on. Because we have a God, the Bible says, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And all of his promises, church. The words that he has spoken to your life, the words that he has spoken towards my life are faithful and true. Amen. How many of you know the Lord to be a promise keeper? Amen. He has kept his word. Amen. And so this morning, as we spend a few moments in the word, I want to minister to our hearts today. Now, for the men and the children and and everyone else that's not a mom, don't tune me out. Amen. Because the Lord has a word for you as well. But on this day where we honor our moms, I feel compelled also to include the young ladies who one day desire to be a mom. Amen. I want to include all women who have not had children but experienced a mother's love. Amen. And let you know that even on a day where we honor all the moms, that the Lord knows your heart and your desire as well. Amen. And so I believe that the Lord is the one who has fashioned your heart with these desires, with these promises, and with the strength, and with his hope, and with his goodness. Amen? And I believe that all ladies, both young and old, can know what it's like to feel full of the Holy Spirit, and that is to be pregnant with a word. How many of you have ever been given a promise of God that is like you were pregnant with a word and that word you saw it go full term until it was fulfilled? Has that happened to anyone this morning? That is the Lord gave you a word for a season in order to get you through this season. The Lord gave you a promise that you were to depend on and that you were to rely on so that one day you would see the fulfillment of his word. Amen. And so that is the word that the Lord has given you. The Lord will give you a word to carry for a season until it comes to pass. Amen. And many of us that have a relationship with the Lord have experienced this very thing. Amen. Regardless of what the promise was for, to varying levels and different degrees of our faith, I believe that we have all seen the Lord fulfill some promise in our life. Amen. We've seen God come through time and time again. It could have been a promise of providence and healing just like that widow experienced with the prophet Elijah. We know that at one time, and we're going to get into this story in just a moment, but we know that at one time this woman was married. And by the time Elijah encounters her, she was literally about to die. She had exhausted all of her resources To provide for her and for her son. And she was down to her last meal. But God gave her a word. Now I want to remind you this morning church. That most promises don't appear as the harvest that you desire to reap. Amen. I'll say it one more time. Most of the promises that God gives you. They do not appear yet as what you desire to reap. 
That means if the Lord gives you the promise of, of one day having a child, then, then guess what? You're, you're, it's not going to instantly come. It's not going to instantly happen. It's going to be something that you will eventually see fulfilled. Amen? Now, I want to remind us that those, those things that we desire, sometimes they're in seed form first. And so the Lord is wanting us, church. He, it doesn't appear as a harvest that you desire to reap, but rather the seed that God wants you to plant. And so in famine of not having enough, this woman, she encounters the prophet Elijah. And in their conversation, she tells him that she's preparing up the last bit of, of, her, of her flour and her oil. She's preparing up this last bit of food so that she can prepare a supper for her and her son so that they would eventually die. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that I've gone through some seasons in my life where it felt like I was like, at the very end. Amen? And I'm sure that you've been at seasons and you've gone through things in your life where it seemed like you were coming down to the very end. You had no idea how you were going to make it another day. You couldn't see the providence that God had on the other side of his promise. All you were doing was trusting that God would get you through. Amen? And doesn't it seem like the timing of God, church, that when you're about to give up, and you're about to throw in the towel that he would ask you to plant for your future promise. There's a lot of times where it's like, Lord, I am at my wits end. God, I have nothing else. I have nothing left for me or my family. And that's when the Lord says, plant. Plant. Give. Sow. There's something that the measure of your faith contains that God is wanting you to act upon. And unless you make a move, because faith without works is... Faith without works is, unless you make a move and you act on that faith, my friends, the seed will be aborted. The very promise that God gave you to hang on to, it will abort because you've done nothing with it. I'll never forget the season before Mandy and I had our girls. We were praying for a child. We got married, and, and if you know our testimony, you know, at the beginning of our marriage, we thought within the first year that my wife was, was pregnant with, with our first child, and we were really excited, except the news took a twist. And it wasn't that she was about to give birth to a child, but she was about to have an emergency C-section to remove a, a, a dermoid cyst that was almost the size of a grapefruit. And there's times where you think you're, you're hopeful. You think like, oh man, this is it. This is the fulfillment of something that we have prayed for, that we are desiring to see. And all of a sudden it changes direction. It shifts and something happens. And I remember, you know, after her operation, we had, you know, this season. And, and how many of you know that when the enemy strikes, you know, sometimes he, he plants seeds of doubt in your heart, Right. Sometimes he'll, he'll plant, you know, seeds of worry and, and, and thinking that, you know what, I, I don't know if this is ever going to happen for us. But I remember it would be a year later that we planted our first seed. And that first seed was that we were going to purchase a three-bedroom home. Now, that might sound like foolishness. Why do you need two more bedrooms, Pastor, if it's just you and your wife? Because we were believing for a promise. Amen. And you act as though God has already done it for you when you're believing God for a promise. It would be a year later that, you know, the, the promise had still not yet come. And so I remember I told my wife she had this two-door little car. It was a Chevy Cobalt. And she had this little two-door car. And I said, Mom, that's not a car for a family. And she looks at me and she's like, well, what is it? I'm like, it's a two-door car. 
Ain't nobody sitting in the trunk, you know, that's illegal. So we went down to, to this dealership, and, and I remember I, 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 I go to the dealership, and I was like, Lord, if it's you, she owed a little bit of money on the car. I said, Lord, if it's you, you're going to pay off this car that, that we owe God, and you're going to give us the exact payment and everything that we want. And guess what God did? Exactly that. So we went and we bought this family car with four doors, amen, and with a, with a hatchback. It wasn't quite a van. I wasn't ready to lose my manhood, all right? I wasn't about to go down that road. You know, I wasn't going to get into a man van, Pastor. I had to have something that was better, you know. You know, it's just, I'm a truck guy. So we go down to the dealership and we get this car. And then it would be one year after that. From 2009, we bought a house. 2010, we bought a car. 2011, the Lord fulfilled the promise. Praise the Lord. If we plant nothing in expectation, we'll only reap the disappointment of doubt. If you plant nothing without expectation, you will only reap the disappointment of doubt. And so Elijah's here with this woman and being the unselfish, typical godly man that he is. Elijah says to this woman, he says, before you go off and die, I'm going to give you some instruction. Now, I'm sure that most women could relate to this. You know, you're, you're probably feeling your worst and you're having like the worst day ever. And, you're, and your husband's like, is dinner ready? Has that ever happened to any of the ladies in here, right? Now, none of you got an insensitive husband. That's not what I'm saying. Husbands, you're doing a great job. Amen. Hang in there, guys. Hang in there. But it was once said that during labor, the pain is so great that a woman can almost imagine what a man feels when he has a cold. <laughs> there you go. It's processing. It's processing. And all the ladies rolled their eyes. Amen. So Elijah makes this request from this woman in 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 13. Elijah says to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. <laughs> Such a gentleman, right? Go and make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterwards make some for, for yourself and your son. Now, there's something that's so typical and common about this exchange between a man and a woman that it would almost seem as if this is a reoccurrence in your life. It could very well be the design and plan of God. Because women are wired in their DNA to put others first. Amen? Every morning when we get ready for church, you know, I see my wife and, and she, she gets up early and starts, you know, getting her hair done. But guess what? The first thing that she does is make sure that my girls have their dresses on and their, and their chungos pulled back and, and they look good and they're ready to go. Because that's what moms do. Amen? That's what moms do. They put others first. Now, hear me out. I want us to understand something. This is neither demeaning in any ways that you neglect yourself, but this is the design of God. And this is the way that God has ordained things to be lived by. To be someone who fulfills by design the requests of others. To be somebody that puts the needs of others before herself. And ultimately, to be someone who honors God by honoring his word in your life. Luke 8 and 21 says this. Jesus replied. He says. My mother and my brothers. Are those who hear God's word. And they put it into practice. My mother and my brother. Are those who hear God's word. And they put it into practice. 
And so for the widow on that day, honoring God looked like obeying Elijah's request. Amen? This is what honoring the Lord looked like. It looked like doing what Elijah had said first. Now, she could have easily argued the fact and said, but God, why did you send me this man? I am at my last meal. I was literally going to make just a cake for me and my son, and that's it. We were, we were done. We had nothing left. But how many of you know that the Lord will call us into a place where we have to trust him beyond what is logical? Amen? That is, the Lord is going to pull you out of, of your natural self that says, I'm only looking at the resources that I have. And he pulls us into the supernatural with eyes of faith to believe what is not yet. This is what the Lord's invitation for us is always. How many of you know the Bible says that, that it's our faith that pleases God? Amen? It's our faith that pleases him, not our inaction. Not our doubt, not our logical thinking, not only doing with our hands what we, with what we have, but it's actually trusting the Lord to do the impossible. So this woman, she goes and she obeys the prophet Elijah's request because here's the deal. Sowing in weakness will lead you to a harvest of strength. She was down to her very last. She had nothing left to give. But in that moment, she made a decision that she was going to trust God. Amen. And guess what? Sowing in lack will lead to a harvest of plenty. Pastor was mentioning the offering and I'll just pop this in here. I believe the Lord is wanting us right now, for those of you that might be hurting financially, this is the season to sow. Listen to me carefully. Don't miss the opportunity because one day you will wake up months or a year from now and you will receive nothing if you did not plant in a season of famine. Amen. So if you're experiencing lack and you're experiencing like a tightness in your finances, then now is the season to sow. Amen. So 1 Kings 17 verse 14 says, so this is, for, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. This jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain upon the land. So the prophet gives her a promise. Now moments earlier, if you've ever read this, moments earlier Elijah had prophesied that there would be no rain, but rather that the land would be in a drought for years to come. So they knew that there was nothing that was coming. Now, back in these days, there was no H-E-B on the corner. Amen? There was no Walmart that they could go to. They depended upon the rain. They depended upon the harvest of the land. Amen? But how many of you know, church, that obedience is better than sacrifice? The Lord is calling us to simply obey. It's like, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. But how many of you know, in, in 1 Samuel 15, it says obedience is better than sacrifice. But in the New Testament, it says mercy is better than sacrifice. Because not only does the Lord want us to be obedient, but he wants us to be merciful. He wants us to be people that show mercy and compassion. He wants us to be people that are living ultimately for what the needs of others have. The fulfillment of the law is summed up in two requests, in two commands. What does it say? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Amen. And to love others as yourself. So guess what? The Lord wants us to be obedient. Now, I can't begin to imagine all of the sacrifices that you have made in your life. I can't imagine that all the sacrifices that you've made towards loved ones and family members. 
All the times that you put others before yourself. I can't imagine all the moments that you were preparing for the end. I can't imagine, you know, those moments when you felt like giving up. But here's the deal. God has seen every moment. God has seen the sacrifice. God has seen every tear, ladies. God has seen all the times that, you know, you thought you didn't have anything to hope for. And the most beautiful thing about this is the Lord says to each and every one of you, as you've obeyed my word, my provision will never stop in your life. As you're obedient to what the word of the Lord has says, his provision will never stop in your life. We need to be thankful and we need to praise God because guess what? We're still here somehow in some way by the mercy and the grace of God. Amen. How many of you are thankful for the Lord? He gave you a seed that you're still harvesting today because you've obeyed his word. Amen. It goes on to say in 1 Kings 17 verse 15. So she went away and she did as Elijah told her. And there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. It says the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Amen. You see, when the Lord gives you a promise, the Lord is able to fulfill it. And our belief and our trust in him and our faith in him is what brings it to come to pass. Amen. If we waver in our faith and if we doubt, if we, if we find ourselves going back and, and, and relenting in some way and we don't trust God for the fulfillment of the promise, then you will never see the promise. The Lord has called us to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. The Lord has called us to walk in the spirit and to be people that would trust in the Lord above everything that we have here in the natural. Ladies, can I offer you some advice this morning? I want to offer you some advice. The best man that you can have in your life is a man who offers you seeds to harvest God's promises. So men, there's an obligation that we have as the priest of the household, and that is to point always. In those moments of stress, in those moments of hurting, in those moments of lack, in those moments when we have not yet seen the promise fulfilled, we must always point back to the word of God. Amen, men. All the men said amen. That is our obligation as a man of God. Not to be the voice of the enemy and just filling our our wife and, and their life and our family's heart with doubt, but we are actually men that would point always to the promises that the Lord has made for us. If he's not a man of faith, then I'd be hard-pressed to say that he's probably not worth following. Those of you who are dating, I'll say that one more time. If he's not a man of faith, then I'd be hard-pressed that you should even be following him in the first place. Amen? Because the Lord is actually looking for godly marriages. The Lord is looking for godly unions, ones that honor him and that honor his word. Amen? Not just unions. Not just the coming together of two people, but those who would ultimately hang on to the promises of God. So ladies, you have every right to be picky and make sure that that man is a man of faith before you ever say yes. Amen? 
Make sure that man is a man that is a godly man that prays, that's a man on his knees before the Lord, that's a man that trusts in the word of the Lord, that's a man that will ultimately be a good leader and godly leader for your family one day. Amen? And men, we have the obligation to live up to the standards of the word of God. So men, this is your standard. This is your standard. This has always been the standard. It's not just putting food on the table. It's not just putting a roof over somebody's head. This is the standard. We need godly men once again to lead our families back to church. Amen. We need godly men one day to wake the family up and say, I'm going to bring my children to the house of the Lord so that they can know this God that I believe in and that I trust in. Amen. But this society that we're living in has created weak men. Men that aren't willing to get up and lead their families. And I say this because I know what it's like. I've seen the very biological man that brought me into this earth that did not want to have anything to do with my life. That's what a weak man looks like. An individual that says, you know what, I'm not going to raise a family. I'm not going to fulfill the obligations. But how many of you know we have a father in heaven that is the best promise keeper It doesn't matter if you have an earthly father. He is a father over all. Amen. And the Lord is going to fulfill the promises that he has in your life. It would be moments later that after that, after a promise fulfilled, that this woman's faith, though, would be tested in a great way. How many of you know that, you know, I've said it like this before, but, you know, when you get to a victory in the Lord, you're already stepping into the next battle. Right? It's like, man, God gives you the fulfillment of the promise that, that, you know, you were praying for and you were petitioning heaven for. And the next thing you know, another battle. And it's like, Lord, why another battle? Because you know that you were created for warfare. You realize the moment that you said yes to Jesus, you were enlisted in God's spiritual army. Amen. We would be those that would not just shrink back, but we would, you know, be those that actually war, you know, in the spirit. And so the Lord, the moment that he had taken the Israelites across that Jordan River into the promised land, guess what? They would encounter battle after battle after battle after battle. And so there shouldn't be discouragement in battle, but there should be trust in the one who is greater than the battle and the one ultimately whom we get our victory from. Amen. And this woman, she goes from this victory of having God fill her jar with oil and fill, you know, her jar with flour. And now she has meals for every day of her life. And it would be moments later that she goes into the season of testing. I know that many of you have experienced trying times, but this widow had gone through some of the worst of them. She had gone from losing her husband to coming down to her last meal only to be provided for by a prophet and seemingly trusting and believing that everything was going to be okay. Again, her faith was tested. Now, I'm sure that many of you can relate because at times when you felt like you finally began to breathe again only to have the wind knocked out of you. Just when you felt like, oh man, I've got that promise. God just... He let me breathe a little bit, and all of a sudden the wind gets knocked out of your life again. And for this widow, it would be that her son would fall deeply ill, so sick that he would eventually die. 
So from after having God fulfill this great promise and literally resurrect her family, bring her food every single day and provide for the very need that she had come down to, now all of a sudden this promise of providing for her son now came to an end because he was dead. A million thoughts could have been racing through her heart, but the Bible says that she confessed and she questioned the man of God and God's working in her life as well. First Kings 17 says this, verse 18, Now she says to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to, bring me, uh, to, to, to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Now, I have to be honest with you, church. She made the error that a lot of people make when they're faced with trying times and with great adversity. And that is this, is that we question God. Sometimes, because of hardship, we turn to questioning God instead of petitioning God. We go from saying, oh, I believe, I believe, I believe, to, oh, man. And we walk and we live and we speak and we confess and we complain as if we have no God. We were praying earlier for the worship team and it's something that the Lord just wanted me to pray was that we serve a living God. Amen. How many of you know that he is alive and he is well? He's a living God. That means that when you go through something, he's ready to rescue you. When you're going through hardship, when you're going through famine, when you're going through adversity, he is right there. I love that verse. It's like a life verse of mine in Psalms 34. It talks about how the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Amen? It says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. There's something about the pain and the adversity that you face as a child of God that actually draws the presence of God closer to your life. That once when it seemed as if though God was far away and he wasn't, but it just might have felt that way. He actually in our times of pain and weakness draws nearer to your life. And that's such a special promise, amen. It's such a special promise because instead of being those that punish God by our words and question God and disbelieve God and all of a sudden think that, you know what, God is not able to do what you're petitioning him for. We should stop questioning God and stop thinking that somehow it's some punishment by God. And actually, it's rather an opportunity for God to fulfill the promise that he made. You go through adversity and you go through hardship and all of a sudden it's like as if God doesn't exist. We sing that song all the time that he is a way maker. Amen. He is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper church. Whatever you're experiencing right now, let those words ring into your ears and into your soul that he is a way maker, amen. He is a promise keeper, church. The very same God that has rescued you from from the wages of sin and death and hell and and a Christless eternity is the very same God, church, that will deliver you from a cold. Amen. He's the very same God that'll deliver you from a headache. He's the very same God that will get you up out of a wheelchair. He's the very same God that will save your family and your children. Amen. He's the very same God, church, that will rescue your life and your soul. He deserves to be trusted. Amen. So listen, 
When the enemy strikes, it's a great opportunity for a testimony. When the enemy strikes your life and all of a sudden you know that something was sent to just destroy your faith, it's a great opportunity for a testimony. Not for a test with moaning. Amen. Because sometimes we go through tests and it's, oh, woe is me. I get it. Hardship does that to us. But you know what hardship actually reveals? It reveals what foundation you're standing on and if it has cracks. Hardship will always reveal where your trust is. If you have no money, you'll freak out when it's not there. If your trust is in that, you'll, you'll, you'll just lose your mind. If you, if you lack something or that you place trust in, it will always reveal where your heart condition is, church. But I want us to understand something today, and I know I can testify this over my life. Christ is my firm foundation, amen? He is a solid rock, church. And he's the one that this word preaches of and the one that this word testifies about, that when you go through tests and trials, you will not be shaken. Because Christ is a firm foundation. The bigger the giant, the sweeter the victory. Amen? And inevitably, at one time or another, we all might be faced with circumstances that could seem to be a horrible punishment from God. But instead, through them, he's shown us his ability for mercy. And he reminds us of his goodness and of his faithfulness. And he he reminds us of his word that says, his plans are for good and not for evil. Amen? His plans are to prosper you and his... He has called you to give you a hope and a future. And a lot of times it's in the darkest moments of our life that sometimes the questions are bigger than the conquest. Elijah says to her, he asks her for her dead son. Now I want to stop there just for a second. When it seems as though you are at your very end, And the promise that God had once given you is now dead. How will you respond? You say, well, Pastor Duke, I mean, it's over. I mean, what does she have to live for? It's just her. Her her husband's gone. Her son is gone. Sounds crazy, but God is known for resurrecting people. Amen? Amen? This God that we serve is actually known to be a God that is able to bring the dead back to life. Amen? He is able to do it. But listen, I could be speaking to somebody this morning that once had a bright promise of God's fulfillment in your life. And I don't know what that is for you. For some of you, maybe it was marriage. For others, maybe it was future children. For others, maybe it was a home or a relationship or it was, it was God just doing something. You had a petition that was once a bright promise of God's fulfillment in your life, but now it's seemingly dead. Maybe it was the salvation of friends or family or healing of your sickness or disease. Are you still believing him for it? Are you still trusting even though it seems like the very thing that he has promised you has died? I believe that before this message is over, the Lord wants to revive dead promises. 
Because like that widow, maybe you've created your own theory as to why God hasn't or why God won't or why God, you know, this didn't or whatever. But I'm here to speak encouragement into your heart and your life today to allow the word of the Lord to speak life over every dead promise that you've been carrying. Say, Pastor Duke, but I've been praying for it for years. Can I remind you of a couple called Abraham and Sarah? They carried a promise for a long time. Even so much to the point where they went outside of the will of God to get the promise. They went outside of what God had actually wanted them to wait for. And they went outside of his will just to try to bring and manufacture the promise in your life. But how many of you know the scripture teaches us clearly that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. How do I know this? Because that daughter that I was praying for 11 years ago just gave her heart to Jesus like two weeks ago. That's the fulfillment of a promise. Amen. That's the fulfillment of God's ability to do what he said he could do. And if he's given you a word, that word is a seed. That means it has the ability to produce that which you are believing God for. I'm certain that nothing hurts more than a stillborn promise. A promise that you've carried full term only to see your hopes crushed in hurt and despair. Single woman, mom, and widow, listen to me today. God is able to bring back to life every single dead promise. The Bible says that Elijah took the boy's lifeless body and he stretched his arms over the boy three times and the Lord answered his prayers and brought that young man back to life. And when Elijah brought the boy back to his mother's arms, he said, See, your son lives. And the widow responded like this. Verse 24 of 1 Kings 17, the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is the truth. And I have to ask you a serious question this morning, church. Are you believing the mouths of doubt, or are you trusting God's word of truth? How many of you know the enemy will put a lot of people in your life to just drop little seeds of doubt? But it's up to us to trust in the word that God has given us. Did you know that the one who spoke all things into existence is the same one who stretched his arms wide, clinging to a cross and trusting that his father would one day fulfill his word of promise? See, this is the one that we believe in, amen? This is the one that we hope in. Now, the scripture does not tell us this woman's name because I believe the emphasis of this story is not so much on who she was, but rather what she did. And ladies, sometimes you may not get the recognition that you deserve. You may not have your name on a billboard. It it may not be, you know, like this grand thing that your life, you know, amounts to. You're not always accredited for the heroics and and all the things that your life has, has done for the lives of the people around you. But listen, your actions deserve honor. Amen. I said, your actions deserve honor. And this is where every man and woman and child has the opportunity one more time to bless the Lord for their moms. Amen. Not only for the things that you've seen them do, but for the grace that they have displayed as they've done them. 
Not only for the times that they've sacrificed for you in the past, but for the times that they'll serve you in the future. You see, some of your moms have worked two or three jobs because maybe they didn't have a partner in life. Or the guy that promised to be there left them. See, some of your moms had to fulfill the duty of having both parental roles in your life because maybe your father stepped out. Some of your moms had to make a choice to leave a particular man because they were protecting you. See, some of your moms rescued you from parents that were unfit to care for your life. And guess what? They are worth double honor. Amen. They are priceless in the eyes of the Lord. And while the world may never know their name, it should never stop you from shouting it from the rooftops. Amen. Proverbs 31 says this, verse 24. Even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies. Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy over the latter days. Her teachings are filled with wisdom and kindness as loving instructions pour from her lips. And she watches over the ways of her household and meets every need that they have. Her sons and daughters arise in one accord to extol her virtues and her husband arises to speak of her in glowing terms there are many valiant and noble ones but you have ascended above them all it says charm can be misleading and beauty is vain and so quickly fades but this virtuous woman lives in the wonder and the awe and the fear of the lord it says she will be praised throughout eternity it says so go ahead and give her the credit that is due for she has become a radiant woman All her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. And so, Lord, we just bless every mom in the house today. Amen. We just bless every single mom that is watching online this morning. You are making a a difference in the lives of those around you. Amen. I'm sure that most moms worry about their kids and they worry about those at home and those who've left left the nest. But listen, you worry about their future. I know that there's many moms that you just worry about the future of your children. You worry about this society that they're going to have to grow up in. In 2 Timothy, Paul shares a word of comfort and he says this and he's speaking to Timothy. He says this in 2 Timothy 1 and 5. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And he said, I am persuaded it now lives in you also. Something that was so special about this verse is that that Paul recognized the faith of, of his grandma and his mom that was living inside of this young man. A young man that was destined to be a man that would do many things for the Lord. Amen. And mom, we want you to know that your faith means something. Your faith makes a difference. Your trust and your prayers, you know, for your children, it makes a difference. Because I know many of you in this room could testify today that if it were not for your godly mom or grandmother, that you would not know the Lord. Amen. How many of you are thankful for a praying mom? Amen. And the beauty of a godly mom is that her life will impact her children's children. This is what the scripture is actually teaching. And so I leave you with this. Three things a godly mom should know. Number one, mom, give your children to the Lord. 
I'll say it time and again. Give your children to the Lord. 1 Samuel 1 says this, verse 27. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Amen. Number two, praise God for your children. I'll say that one more time, moms. Don't complain about them. Those words stick, and those words can hurt. Praise God for your children. It says in Luke 1 and verse 46, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of this humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. But I love Mary. She's, she's glorifying God for the child that she was carrying. Mom, praise God for your children. And lastly, keep pressing on. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. Being a mom could be sometimes make you feel as though you're not doing a good enough job, but keep pushing forward because God will always reward you for your efforts. As I spoke in the very beginning of this message, I said that many of you know what it's like to carry a promise. And I believe that the Lord, you know, wants us to never forget that his presence in our life is the greatest blessing that we could ever have. Because the word actually teaches us that though some things in our life may not turn out as though we had hoped for, it doesn't make God out to be a liar, but it shows us that even through hopeless times that he has always been our hope in times of trouble. And the Bible speaks in Hebrews about so many that trusted God in faith and saw the Lord fulfill many promises, but it also commends those who have not experienced yet the promise that they had hoped for, but instead they received the fullness of faith. Hebrews 11 says, These were the true heroes, commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised to them. Is it? But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had, and that it was faith's fullness. This is so that they could be brought to the finished perfection alongside of us. John 20 and 29 says, Then Jesus told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they still believe. Amen? A fuller faith will trust in God without experiencing the desired results. Amen? And and it will remain content knowing that it's better to receive the fullness of God at work in us than greater than the manifestation of God around us. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org slash give.